Hey everyone, Joe Soto here. Today we're going to talk about how do we solve the Facebook paid ad puzzle. We've got a Facebook ads wizard with us and I'm looking forward to the discussion. I'll be right back with you. This is the Not Your Average Joe Show, where each week we bring you sales, marketing, and mindset strategies you need to get to your next level. And now, here's your host, international business mentor, Joe Soto. We've got Dave Bass in the house. Hey, Dave. Hey, and my cat in the background. Yes. What's your cat's name? Uh, that one is, uh, Diego for San Diego. And then there's another one that you might hear or see at some point named Tuxie because it looks like she's wearing a tuxedo. Nice. Nice. Well, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for being on here. You are, you're not average, so you're going to fit right in. (laughs) I appreciate that. I Um, consider myself eccentric. I had a chance to meet Dave. Um, we both have a, uh, mutual, a uh, person that we associate with that happens to be one of Dave's clients. And am I allowed to say the name? So you, you're you one of the ad wizards behind the scenes. You're the media buyer and ads wizard behind John Astruff and his program. We had him on here. We talked about the Brainathon. He spends tens of thousands of dollars uh, on Facebook advertising every single month, that's fair to say. And uh, most recently for his Brainathon launch, and uh, you're really the mastermind behind it. So I'm excited to have you here, Dave. I've been wanting to have, and I, you know, dare I say the word Facebook ads expert on the show, but you can't find them anywhere. <laughs> so there are, we both talked about this. Everyone sucks at this, you know. And so then they try to go, you know. I, I always tell you, you can go and pick up like a book like this. Oh Jesus, and, they sell and those. Good, and good luck, right? Good luck. <laughs> these guys put out these monster books. Oh my god! You cannot learn Facebook advertising from a textbook. I have it. It like comes to my. This stuff comes to my house like an autopilot. I just go, oh my gosh! There's somebody trying to learn this. I remember when I first was teaching Facebook ads for small businesses in Ty Lopez's course and program in 2016, Dave, and. I just taught a few strategies, overarching strategies to list build using Facebook ads, like running contests and giveaways. And people ran crazy with it, but that's like all they knew how to do. <laughs> you know, they, It was like, once you kind of run out of that, they didn't know what else to do. And it's because it wasn't a Facebook ads course, but you had a lot of dangerous Facebook ads experts running, running loose. And, not, and, they don't, and they don't often give a lot of caveats, which in my opinion is a lot of the problem. It's not that they're necessarily saying bad stuff. They're just not throwing in necessary caveats. So people don't just go run rampant with their approach or their strategy, not realizing, hey, if you're in a different price point, different niche, if you're using a different type of like all these variables that if it's different, could completely change what will work and what won't work. And all of a sudden, you know, this strategy that worked for this person that they're teaching about isn't repeatable for other people and people are scratching their heads wondering why. And the person that created the product often is like, why can't people repeat it? It's because they don't have the experience to know that different situations truly demand different approaches often. That's right. And so for those people who are getting on here now and joining us, Dave is one of the few people that I've met in recent months and maybe recent years that I genuinely could stand behind and say, he knows this stuff. 
He knows how to kick ass on Facebook. He's a, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about specialty of Facebook skill set. I really loved when I met you, how you said, listen, I don't mess with the creative side or copy. And people tend to group Facebook ad experts into just one overall role when quite honestly, there's different skill sets and different pieces to make it all work. And the most important piece is how do I market to the right people and make sure that I've got audiences dialed in because that's where most people go wrong, which is in targeting. But more on that in a minute. So give us, let's give us a little bit of backstory on you. Like talk to me about, you know, tell everyone like what you do how you got there, what a little bit of your background, and then we'll just set the stage for some of the discussion topics. Because in addition to talking about Dave's entrepreneurial journey, we're going to talk about, for those of you that are consultants or agency owners, a little bit about agency stuff. And then we're going to dive into, in the second part of the show here, that's why you want to stay with us, into some specifics for how, you know, how can you get some success on Facebook or what steps should you be taking? All right, over to you, Dave. Give me a little background. All right. So I spent the first half of my adult life doing information security for companies like PricewaterhouseCoopers, KPMG Consulting. I had a top secret clearance. I was a very formal security consultant. And then through a strange set of circumstances, I won't go into that story, but a strange set of circumstances, I had a choice between either going back to my formal job or kind of going into this online world. At that point, it was doing affiliate promotions, email list-based affiliate promotions, and I just decided to take a leap of faith, jumped in. I spent the next six or seven years doing email kind of affiliate promotions, helping manage the affiliates, manage kind of the overall promotion. And I learned a lot just about kind of how promotions work, how funnels work, kind of how kind of people flow and email was part of seven, seven figure promotions during that time period, you know, a bunch of six figure ones and five figure ones. So various varying levels of success. And then with the partner I was working with at the time, we had the Facebook piece of one of our projects. We had hired somebody to do it for us. They didn't seem to be doing a good job. I ended up taking over the guy I was working with at the time somehow managed to get us a managed, an international managed partner rep. So this is a person that worked for Facebook and worked with managed partners, uh, which are much easier to get with international situations than in the US requires much smaller kind of situations to get that level of support. Spent the next year and a half kind of working on that one project in the beginning for the first year. And then we kind of picked up another one or two. But every month I met with this woman and just learned a lot started testing a lot. At one point, I ended up wanting to learn, it was a high ticket offer. So I wanted to learn kind of lower ticket, lower traffic. So I started doing t-shirt stuff with with the guy I was working with just to kind of learn how to do cheap offers versus 1,000, 2,000 phone leads for 10, $25,000 offers. I actually ended up going to the first ever international agency conference in Dublin, Ireland, where I learned some really cool kind of foundational information about how their algorithm works, uh, how the auction works. And then that was probably five, six years ago now, maybe seven. Lose track of time sometimes. And then over time, I ended up uh, going to another, uh, did I go to another partner? No, I ended up leaving that partner and then kind of started working on my own. And then just continuously testing 
for me, my fee is based on results. And therefore, if I couldn't figure out how to get something to work, projects didn't last very long. So when you're on the hook for results, and especially when it's very clear, what are you spending? What's coming in? Is there a difference? Uh, and if there is a difference, what does that look like? You know, are you making money, losing money? What is that averaging out over time? You're kind of your feet are to the fire. You know, you're thrown into the deep end. You have to learn how to either swim or you sink quickly. And that's what I learned how to do. I did a lot of testing. Ironically, I figured out some stuff that's kind of not Facebook traditional recommendations. Uh, I know why it's not. It's a lot more work. For me, coming from a background of big five consulting, half an hour to an hour commute each way, 10, 12 hour days, yeah. and making a third of what I'm making, I'm willing to put in that work because again, making triple what I was making back then, I was making good money back then. You know, it's still a lot of work, but different kind of work. You know, it's not the suit and tie. You know, I do it at home. I have 12 computer monitors. So yeah, so for me, once I kind of figured out in order to get situations, especially situations that were on the edge, you know, like where other people couldn't get it to work, but I was getting a chance. And if I can get it to work, I got to keep the project. And if not, mm. I didn't, you know, so with a lot of those kind of situations, I was forced to kind of sink or swim. And really based on that, I, I learned approaches that would squeeze results kind of out of Facebook, again, requiring more hands-on, more um, regular kind of reviews and adjustments. But for me, it was well worth it because uh, I'm a, 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 this is a topic that I had potential discussion, but uh, there's different kinds of agencies. I'm a boutique agency. A boutique agency is really like a primary person that runs traffic, um, maybe a support person or two. Um, and then, you know, that's about it typically. It's fewer clients, ideally, you know, bigger, you know, kind of budgets so that you're making more per client. Um, and in those situations, you know, you really, each client becomes very important, but each one can pay you a lot of money, you know, versus if you're in, uh, a traffic manager working for an agency, you might be managing 10, 15, 20 different clients, and you're still making a fraction of what you're you know, being charged for that. And the motivation to work extra hard in those situations, I think is just, it's lower. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you're making 45,000 a year and you know that what you're, you're generating for some agency is $400,000 a year, you know, you're not, you're not going to necessarily work weekends to try to get stuff working or figure stuff out or come up with new tests. Um, for me, well worth that kind of effort. So, yeah, so um, I've ended up working on a ton of different kinds of funnels. Um, I've come to the conclusion that, you know, especially because I just do traffic, I don't really do the creative side. I've truly come to the conclusion that there's left brain people and right brain, maybe one in two to five million are actually brilliant people that have both left and right powerful brains. Right. But traditionally or typically most people are, are either very strong on one side or strong on the other. Yeah. Uh, that's why I say be wary of any Facebook expert that says they're good at both <laughs> because most people aren't, don't have very good left and right brains. And the traffic side is very much a left brained analysis kind of, effort versus the creative side, which is very right brain, you know, what's going to move people, what's going to get people interested in this particular offer and this particular product and this particular hook. Um, 
coming up with different angles. That's all, you know, I don't know how creative people pull stuff out of their arse, so to speak, and come up with just random stuff, you know, different angles, different approaches, but that's, I leave that to creative people. Um, You know, so for me, if, if the creative side isn't what it needs to be to at least get a minimal level of results, I'm dead in the water, you know? So uh, it's the tricky part is I do always have to kind of enter into situations that, that have that piece of the equation handled either through another agency. Uh, I work with one uh, client that has two agencies. We actually work well together. Um, it's funny because that other agency is, you know, I'm spending three hundred to four hundred thousand dollars a month right now for clients. They spend around eight hundred thousand, so they're like double my size. Yeah. Um, also, small, a uh, couple brothers, and I think they have a couple, you know, support staff, and they have a creative team. Um, but and they handle the creative side, and you're handling the other piece. Well, they also run traffic, but we collaborate. You know. Um, yeah. This, they have a sale recently, and right before I put up a bunch of ads, he and I, and I actually shared something with him in case it was helpful for him. Yeah. And then he pointed out a typo that I wouldn't have noticed, but people definitely would have commented on, and would, I would have had to go through and change everything. And it would have been both, you know, it would have cost some level of money to have, have dealt with it, and it would have been, t- you know, extra time. And because I, you know, showed him something in, in case it helped him, you know, he was nice enough to point out something to me voila abundance where you know where we're collaborating you know we both got helped he got to and he asked for you know do i have the video because he wanted to pull it was from the site and just prevented him from having to go through and actually pull it down um so yeah so that's a collaboration however you know uh, what he says is that almost never happens very rarely do you have two agencies that are collaborating usually they're you know they think they're in competition they think if if one does better, they might lose their project. This client is both abundant and gets value from both of us because, again, I don't do creatives. He has a creative team. So I'll go in and cherry pick his best stuff yeah. and then run with it. But I can run with it better than they can. <laughs> so it's a nice win-win where they still get solid results, um, especially at lower budgets. But I also get a team that tests creatives and I can just go in, figure out, you know, what's what's working for them and then scale that kind of using some of my strategies and approaches. And it's a win win for everybody. Um, So this this is a really good lesson. This is a great lesson for for all different types of people listening to this. So people that are listening who are agencies or consultants and provide digital marketing services and maybe Facebook advertising, which I know some people on here do and are. In that case, it's it's you need to be you know honest about your strengths and say is am I is my are my strengths on the right or left left brain here right left brain analytical you know you almost need to be like a data data scientist you know and and be able to I, I don't even often I don't even often look it's funny like it's a joke amongst my clients I don't look at the products I sell I often don't watch the videos I'm using in ads <laughs> right. because I don't I don't need to no I need to understand the high level concept that they're that they're covering mm. and then i need to be a data analysis that's what right works and what doesn't work that's right so, you know and i've in the past i did care a little bit more and i would i'll be like okay i wonder what you know i think this will work i'm pretty sure this won't work but you're wrong enough times and you just stop guessing 
Yeah. You, so you, your zone of genius is in dialing in these audiences and analyzing the data and then dialing in the audiences from analyzing the data. And getting and, just ongoing process. That's right. Like, and it's, then, not, it's not Google where you just, once you figure it out, there's very little hands-on work and just for the most part continues to produce. And for entrepreneurs that are on here, and there's a few people on here that own different types of companies and businesses that are trying to figure out, do I hire an ad agency? Do I do I hire somebody to do Facebook advertising? Is there anything saying as one person who's just a Facebook ads expert? Be weary because, you know, what Dave's pointing out is, you know, you need someone who could do the media buying who is the is the uh, analytical left brain data, uh, you know, engineer. And then you've got to have and who can dial in those audiences and getting all that stuff set up. That's the technical piece of Facebook that so many people struggle with who are right brain. And so the right brain person's going, well, I'm really good with copy and creative. I like making images and I like doing video and telling stories and doing the storytelling through my videos and all this. And then they, sh- and they struggle. I hear this all the time. People come to me and, and they'll be like, yo, and I'm they really do. good at doing ads, but I'm really bad at getting them to work. And I'm like, wait a minute. What you can't be good at both. It's like, well, I'm good with the creative and the copy, but I don't think I'm targeting the right audience, which is always the case when that's the case. So I'm like, okay, so you don't know how to get, to get conversion and to get your ads to work because you don't know how to analyze the data or even how to set it up correctly to be able to analyze it the way you want to. And you're really living over here in right brain world because it appeals to you. This is the challenge with training and educating agency owners who want to do it all, who want to be boutique. You're saying, no, no, you can be a boutique and live on one side. Chrisandra says, I'm a lefty. Right. So you can you can live on I'll be I'll I'll just maximize my strengths of left brain. But I need to find someone or you need to hire or delegate outsource to somebody who does have the experience to bring in that copy and and creative. So in the team that you work with for one of your clients, John, John Asraf, who was on my show, we talked about the brainathon on the show a few weeks, a couple weeks ago, even he. Um, he has a full-time copywriter. He has a, a, a creative team and staff who can work on the imagery and stuff. And then you're just doing left brain stuff. So you're working right in your zone of, of genius. And that makes for an ideal situation for you. Yes. That's, that's what And more importantly, it makes for an ideal situation for the client. Right. Because what they're not dealing with is a team who doesn't know their brand, doesn't know their audience, trying to come up with ads using like tricks almost you know like you know various again trickery to try to get people interested but that's not really what a business wants a business wants ads that are congruent that understand the audience understand where their pain points are understand the kind of things they want you know and that's typically internal you know it's very hard to have a third party come in really understand that and create something that's going to work for those people Uh, that's why a lot of times when you hear these people come in and create ads, they just never work. Of course they don't work. You know, they're just learning about this brand for the first time today and they're supposed to try to create ads for tomorrow. You know, it's just, it's unless you're doing, so what, what I've done in the past, you know, is, um, swipe from landing pages because I used to do a lot of email as a left brain person. I got good at swipe at swiping copy. Right. You know, taking good bits of copy, maybe tweaking it a little bit and then leveraging that for whatever my purpose was. So uh, one of my clients had a recent sale. They had a landing page for this sale and I wanted to get some ads up before I had any help. 
I just went to the landing pages, pretty much swiped, you know, two areas of copy, yeah. pulled the video down because you can download videos easily these days, either from YouTube or even Facebook using third party apps uh, for free. Um, and voila, you know, I had my ads that worked reasonably well because I was pulling from copy that was generated by copywriters that know the brand. You know, it was a landing page for a sale created by the business. So, but you could swipe that stuff. It's not as easy to swipe your side. People can't, yeah, no, not people unless, can't see the engine behind Facebook that's targeting. That's if it's working, if you're mo- trying to model a successful ad, this is also a really important point. I'm going to dumb it down for everyone. If you're trying to model a successful ad, Okay, you can only this is the part you can model or swipe, which is the copy and some of the creative. If you know that it's been proven to work and there's a lot of ways to gauge that, even as an outsider, you can simply do go to the Facebook ads library and see which ads have been running over any period of time. Most people won't keep spending money on ads unless they're completely dumb and just want to waste money like, you know, or or maybe they're Coca-Cola with an unlimited ad budget. But most people are if they're running the same ad over and over, it's because it's converting. But you cannot do that when you can't see behind the scenes who's the real audience that they're targeting and what are some of the things that they're setting up on the back end that's making these ads convert so well, which tends to be in they're marketing to the right people and they've got that dialed in. So what do you say to someone who says, well, um, so what's the solution to that? How do I hire a media buyer or how do I find the person if I'm right and I have some good creative or I think I can find that or I have that skill? whether I'm a client or entrepreneur or a digital marketing person, how do I find the media buyer? Because I don't, you know, it's, you know, I'm not going to put an ad in the paper for a digital uh, data scientist. And I want to just say, I was at the war room mastermind that digital marketers owners put on in Austin, Texas a week ago. And a guy got up there and spoke. Um, His name's escaping me, but he basically said the future of marketing are these data scientists, these left brain analyticals, people like you, Dave, who know how to analyze the data for companies and businesses. Cause there are, and, and he said, you should spend your money on having this type of person in your organization, particularly if you're big enough to hire this person. Otherwise um, you're going to have to outsource and, and get this type of person in your company. It's just, there's a tremendous amount of opportunity cost that gets lost. If you don't really understand kind of what's working, what's not working, yeah. uh, how to kind of piggyback and leverage what is working, how to avoid, the type of things that aren't working, um, even how to test for the various types of things that, you know, kind of have categories of working and not working. You know, that's that a lot of agencies have a modicum of success because they're what I consider creative side, creative centric. So what they do is they find the most obvious congruent audiences. They, build enough creatives to find something that works to these obvious, very congruent audiences. And then once every week or two weeks or three weeks, they're constantly changing the creatives. That's right. And they just keep going to the same audiences and changing the creatives. Uh, I figured out, or at least I believed a long time ago that once I find creatives that can get the job done, I think it's easier to find more and more groups of people to show it to versus trying to find yet another creative that engages people, gets them interested enough, gets them to click at a, at a ratio that you need to get the 
traffic that you need to get the conversion level you need to get the cost per purchase that you need to balance out against the spend that you started with in order to make it sensible for you to make that or to do that spend. You know, okay, I'm going to stop you there because that is brilliant. Um, and, you, and it's normal for you. You take this for granted what you just said, but I, again, I want to call out what Dave's saying here. And you, I think you kind of say, don't throw out, you put in here, don't throw out the, the baby with the bathwater, meaning keep your best stuff up. Don't just replace it. Is that, this is what part of what you're talking about here. I love this. Um, this is just some notes that Dave and I had made prior to the show that I'm going to comment on because what Dave just explained is, and he's absolutely right that, and now, and for certain types of industries and businesses, like for a restaurant, they have to change creative because they're introducing new food and stuff like this all the time. Although, um, uh, although we would, when we, when we used to focus on restaurants, which was 2014 to 2016, in about a two year period, we helped close to a hundred restaurants during that time. I would still, once we found a creative that worked, we would rinse and repeat it. It's just, we would have to swap stuff out because it's food and you're trying to constantly. Yeah. With ads too. Yeah. Where you actually, you kind of, um, crop, what's it called? Uh, uh, crop rotate where you rotate yeah. crops in order to, you know, save the soil and to, you know, let the soil kind of recover. Yep. And then, you know, two or three cycles later, that soil is primed for growth again. A lot but, of times ads can work that way also. That's right. But you're saying something I think is as important or more, which is, you know, m make sure you're, if you, if you're analyzing the data, right. And you're, you're test, you're always looking to test other groups. You could get the same, the convert, the higher converting copy and, and uh, creative in front of, which requires people not be lazy and it takes more work. A lot more work. A lot, a lot more work. But you know, go to, some go these to the agencies, they don't want to have to do that work. But you're yeah. going to you're going to tell me you'll probably get more, not just better results, but you'll have you retain people, you will retain your clients longer. Of course, because those situations rely on on easy converting offers that that do have large generic kind of audiences they can go to and they can just change the creatives every two, you know, one, two, three weeks and get enough results that they're at least profitable, right? It's still worth it for the client. Sometimes it's break even, but they're building a customer base. So that's lifetime value. And to them, that's free customers. Yeah. You know, there's some situations where people pay money for customers for the lifetime value. You know, they'll go negative to get a customer. So if you're breaking even on a customer, even if they're not making profit day one, that's still a worthwhile endeavor because they don't have another option. Yeah. You know, there is, there is no here, make a lot of profit, or break even for them. It's just most agencies can help them break even because they can create creatives or they can come up with obvious audiences based on what makes sense. You know, that's one of the things I've learned is there are these obvious audiences that, you know, if you have a shoe client going after footwear, right? You know, they also sell sandals going after flip-flops and sandals, you know, shoes, sneakers, yeah. uh, Adidas, Nike, you know, if they're running shoes, running, marathon, those yeah. those are those are not hard. You know what right. I mean? And if you test those and see if they work, you know, they could become in their a lot of them are large. So you can just do that nice strategy. We just constantly create new creatives and try to squeeze that one audience as much as you can. And and that's how you get results. And if you're managing 25 clients, it's much easier putting up two three hundred dollar 
you know, four or $500 budgets than it is, you know, a bunch of smaller budgets to a bunch of kind of different segments. Um, however, if you're willing to, you know, think through what kind of people are my customers. So a great example with that, I have a client that sells an information product on how to balance hormones, right? It's for women, you know, balancing their hormones and a great audience, one that often works as good, if not better than hormone imbalance. The most congruent audience you can come up with is aromatherapy. Wow. What does aromatherapy have to do with balancing your hormones? Nothing at all. But the kind of women that are interested in aromatherapy are the same kind of women that are interested in an information product on hormone balance. You know, they're kind of, they're, they're, they like that kind of more, I don't want to say woo-woo, but that yeah. kind of more, you know, metaphysical type mindset. And it's that kind of person that would be interested in information product versus going to a doctor getting the first stop is, you know, medical advice before ever an information product, medical advice. A lot of people who are interested in aromatherapy are not those very hard kind of conservative people. Um, so yeah, that's just an example of what I consider like an indirect audience, but thinking through, you know, like for, for the shoe situation, camping, you know, people that go camping need comfortable shoes, you know, different professions, you know, doctors, teachers need comfortable shoes. Nothing to do with shoes, but these are people that might be interested in your product. So it's a different kind of way of, of approaching it. Uh, but again, you know, to create 20 to 40 campaigns with different kind of audiences versus four to six or eight campaigns is a lot more work. It takes a lot more thought. And then you got to see what's working and what's not working and constantly kind of be filtering out what's not putting new things up that, you know, to test, trying to figure out of what's working. Why is it working? You know, what about it? Can I leverage, you know, if it's an audience or an interest, is there a, like a lot of times when I'm testing interest, and this is a good kind of segue into some strategies for that. But when, when I'm testing an interest, I'll start off at kind of high level topic areas. And then if like what I consider like the most obvious congruent large audiences in these areas, like paleolithic diet. 12 million person audience. If that works, there's five, 10, 15 different paleo type audiences. If it doesn't work, yeah. I'm not going to test the smaller, you know, kind of more focused on paleo audiences because the higher level, you know, kind of concept in it. So I'll test kind of high level areas. And then if those work, then I can start digging down into those areas. You know, when camping started work, like when uh, water sports started working for my shoe client, you know, I went crazy. Kite surfing, paddle boarding, all these different like water sports yeah. because surfing worked. You know what I mean? Like this, you know, surfing is the most kind of is a more accepted kind of generic thing. But once surfing and like beaches worked, all kinds of different, you know, interests opened up to me that I could start testing. So that's one of the ways that I'll kind of, so, so really important that people hear this part, the part that takes more work was, is because it, it, it contradicts the mistake I see so many people making when clients sometimes will have me look at their ads or I get asked a lot to review um, 
ads when when we were doing our little project with with John. Um, that's how we met. Yeah, it's how we met. John John knew he had wizards working with him. You guys are all really good. You know, Matt, you and and uh, Alan and everybody on that team. But so often I see what you you could expect that I see and that you probably see when you take on new clients is they'll they're so lazy that the, 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 the is that they'll put they'll interest stuff or, to or make one big audience. I don't want to make judgment. Maybe they're just ignorant. <laughs> but yeah, just sorry. They're just ignorant. And they just they um I always say people do the best they can with the resources and knowledge that they have. So sometimes it's just, you know, I'm just gonna I'll just create one audience set and I'll stuff 30 interests in there and that'll be my audience versus wait a minute, uh, you know, what if that that really should be 30 different audience sets that you test to see which ones pull, and then you start, then you could stuff a few together, maybe, but at the end of the day, you could talk to an audience even differently a copy changes and shifts for different audiences and different brands or different interests um which also encourage you to keep them apart but you're talking about a lot of work that people aren't typically willing to do and i would say that if you want to be in business for you know for a great amount of time if you're an agency owner or a digital marketer and you want to see real results for clients then put in this work let them know what type of work is going into it so they can appreciate your fees that come so along with that right there same way you pointed out something to me earlier, I'm going to point out something that you just said that's critical, like communicating with the client, what's involved, you know, figuring out what level of detail they're interested in, making sure you like, what you don't want to do is overwhelm, you know, a high level business owner who all, all they want is high level information with, you know, right. details. But there are clients that are, you know, would be interested. They're not going to, they're not going to learn what you're doing and want to do it themselves but are at the high level interested in what you're doing and what it takes and kind of what your approach is. Um, and versus some agencies might be like wanting to like hide what they're doing and like, Oh, it's my, it's my secret. It's my, it's my, it's my you know, it's my secret sauce. I can't let anyone see it. For me, I'm always happy to show what I'm doing because it is a lot of work and analysis and perspective and I've had people try to take over accounts I was running because they thought they could do it for cheaper. And it always fails because you can't just look at what's been done and then somehow rinse, wash, and repeat it. You can right. rinse, wash, and repeat the high-level approach, but the actual execution piece, like, it's funny. Like, I'll often say um, I, I never know what I'm going to do next in a given situation. But I have, you know, a tool chest of a bunch of different strategies I can pull out that I've, you know, tested and I know can work in situations. And then especially once I've been with the client for a little while, I start figuring out which of those, which of those kind of approaches work for them, work more and which ones don't. And therefore, you know, now I have eight different ways of creating batches that, you know, have varying levels of likelihood of success. Like when you're first testing a brand new audience or brand new creative, that has a lower kind of level likelihood of success, right? Cause it's unproven. Yeah. But if you're taking a proven creative with a proven audience that just hasn't seen that proven creative and you combine them, right? So now you're going to a proven audience, the proven creative that you just haven't actually had that match before. Well, the likelihood of that working is much higher because you've seen that audience work with other creatives. You've seen that creative work with other audiences. Yep. Now, what a great way to piggyback 
you know, especially if you, if you have different creatives that you've been testing, you know, and maybe some creatives work with some audiences and some with other audiences, because that's, that's, and it's a little frustrating. If you put up 10 of the same things, right? Six or seven are going to do around the same. One or two are going to be lower anomalies in results. And then one or two are going to be upper anomalies, right? So you have to be careful of just testing something once and assuming that because it didn't work, it's a hundred percent, you know, can't work because maybe you hit one of those one times that was the random time where the variables, the stars just weren't aligned. The algorithm wasn't in the zone that day. You know, there's more technical things to what that actually means, but at the high level, that concept that you got to be careful of, of judging things based on kind of single tests. So that's and another piece. Yeah. This is why I tell clients, you got to be patient while all this gets dialed in for these campaigns. But if you are that work, that analytical work that you're doing will pay off. So the, when you're, um, I see and a lot of people knowing, not, and knowing when not to chase good money with bad money. So yeah. at some point, okay, like all the work in the world is probably not going to get this thing from, you know, 50% negative, you know, loss to 150% positive profit. And that's your target, right? Without something major changing, that's a hard kind of leap just yeah. from traffic. Yeah. So recognizing after you've tested enough that it was good money to test, but now we get to do some kind of change before we keep spending money because now we're chasing good money with bad money. And it's so critical. Like the good money is well-spent money to figure Because once when you do figure out things that work, you can run with them, right? It's not, It's now a slot machine that for a while you put 50 cents in, it's spitting out 75 cents to a dollar to a dollar 50 every single friggin' day, maybe one day or two, it doesn't, right? But the, yeah. but the amount you put in compared to what comes out is is a little bit negative. And the other, you know, 10 days out of the last 12 are all medium to high positive, right? And then, but that's, but that's, that's what you're looking for, right? So that's the, that's what, that's, that's the goal is to find these situations that are producing your results within your target range, whatever your target range is, it very, like, what my my biggest client has a 2.7 ROI bare minimum. If I don't hit that, I'm pretty much fired. <laughs> right? There yeah. was a, a third party that came into the situation recently. Yeah, and they were trying to sell their services on creatives. Right? Yeah. They're amazing at creating creatives, and I'm like, well, what 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 do you expect when you're testing? You know what? Like what what are you what are you looking for in results? He's like, well, you know, like 1.7, 1.5. I'm like. Dude, you have to understand, like we have a 2.7 minimum across all traffic, testing traffic, you know, th there's the retargeting, which is this idea of going back to people that have hit your site yep. because they're a little warmer, um, you know, so that might be a little higher than your average, but all your testing stuff, if you test to at too high of a ratio and you spend too much and lose it, all of a sudden your overall ROI and all your spend, you know, if you're a big business- yeah. yeah, if you set a side budget in order to purely test with, and if you lose it, so be it. You know what I mean? Great, because that's what this guy had worked with. You know, he's like, "What? There's no testing budget? Like, like, sure, there's testing budget. It's the it's your budget. Yeah, included in your budget, you got to figure make out it work. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so 
he all of a sudden started backtracking a lot as far as what he could do for this situation because he had never seen a situation with that high of a ROI. Because he was good at one, because he was good at his piece of it, and he some of it was out of his, out of control. And also, a lot of people when they're testing, they tend to test more than one thing at a time. And I, I get this a lot too. They'll be like, "Here's the two ads we're testing." And they have different copy, different creative, and different audiences. I'm like, what are you testing? I and see that. Think, like a you know, somebody test. watch this who's like, what's wrong with that? I'm testing two different ads all together to see which one does better. <laughs> tell, them what, tell them what's wrong with that. Uh, the, if, if you <laughs> test one ad that otherwise would work with an audience that's not going to work, then that's not going to be successful. <laughs> and if you test an ad that's so so with a great audience that's going to work and that's that's going to look amazing but that's only going to work with the good audiences yeah yeah like and and facebook like might say that you're competing against yourself right so to that i say like maybe i am but i'm still able to get much better results than your typical recommendations of bigger budgets you know get 50 conversions per week per ad set um and it's funny too, because a lot of the recommendations I've come to believe are based on much bigger daily budgets than the average bear. 10,000, 15,000, 20,000, 25, 50,000, $100,000 a day, right? When you have to spend that kind of money, yeah. well, maybe you do have to find ways of, of chunking it up and, and kind of doing stuff in bigger bulk, but that's not most businesses. Most yeah. businesses are trying to start off with three to five hundred dollars a day. If that works, then they'll scale up to a thousand. If that works, then they'll you know it's a, it's a slow kind of scaling process. And the problem is that if the recommendations that Facebook's giving is designed for bigger advertisers, and I'm guessing you know a lot of the people that are listening to you are, are smaller, medium businesses. You know, even if they're doing well, one, two, three, five million dollars a year. They still don't have, you know, twenty, thirty thousand dollars a day to to advertise right. with, hoping it's going to work. Right. You know, a couple of days of loss, and you're, you know, that's a lot of freaking money to most businesses. Yeah. Um. So yeah, so that's another piece of of the equation. I think but this is, is what's what stops a lot of the small to medium sized business owners from advertising or stepping into the waters. Other things is. They're, they're trying to figure out the targeting and, and, and audience piece of it. So Eric has a question. He says, with all the info that Facebook has, I can't seem to find a way to target independent pizza operators. Well, and, that, and that's the topic of, you know, what kind of people are these? Are these entrepreneurs? You know, if they are, you know, success magazine, you know, entrepreneurship, yeah. you know, small business owner, you know, like obviously these aren't just pizza owners, but here's the concept. If your ad is specific, right? I'm calling out pizza owners who are interested in the best pizza owner deal ever. Yeah. Right. So the ad for pizza owners, it's clear that this thing is amazing what he's offering. They they're gonna want it when they see it. You know, his problem in his mind is, but I don't know where to find them. I, I know how to I know how to talk to them, I know how to tell them, you know. You know, I got the bet like for them, I got the fucking I got the stuff, I got the magic right here to make yeah. their lives better. Um, so the key is it's funny too, that the highest uh, the highest ROI traffic I've ever dealt with was the highest link click cost traffic I ever dealt with. Highest <laughs> link click cost, 
highest ROI, right? Wasn't cheap clicks got me the best, you know, return on my, my investment. Right. It was the highest expensive traffic. And the reason was it was for life coaching. The ad was very clear. If you're interested in a second career as a life coach, most people aren't interested in a second career as a life coach. <laughs> but, but if you are, right, you know, again, if you are small percentage, calling it out, right, that's not, we had like an 80, 90% opt-in rate on our opt-in page for that. Because the people who are looking for that are so targeted that they're going to convert. And, you, and we didn't. It's I didn't just going to cost you more to find those inside of that broader audience. But, but that's how you find them, you know, and again, highest ROI. Yeah. So it's not like because Brilliant. I had to find them in these bigger audiences, you know, I couldn't make money on them, you know, because these people are valuable enough to me that I could afford to go to a thousand people, 5,000 impressions to yeah. find my pizza owner, especially if my ad is clear, you know? Um, so that's, that's, that's a really important point. There's going to be people who will need to rewind that. <clears throat> it, it's so, it's so key. Um, well, and here's the other thing, like I've heard people, I had a client that was so mistrustful of list building from Facebook. They've heard so many nightmares that the lists you build on Facebook are just crap. They won't buy anything, right? Common, common idea. And, and the, the response is, well, yes, if they're built the wrong way, of course they're going to be crap, right? But if you know how to filter for the kind of people you're looking for, right? People in the U.S., maybe people in top tier countries. Uh, I have a list of about 70 or 80 crap countries. So I'll sometimes go worldwide, but exclude, exclude the crap countries, 70, 80 crap countries yeah. and exclude the U.S., which just yeah. gets me international because U.S. tends to be more expensive. Yep. Right. So that's one of my little strategies. Is I'll break up, you know, an audience to a U.S. and an international like U.S. only traffic, yeah. international only traffic. And therefore, it's, you know, and I could see which, which, if either, sometimes both of them will work, sometimes the U.S., sometimes if, if it was always one or the other in situations, obviously, where you can go international, not all situations are, but when you can, um, if it was always international worked better, then I would start with international and test U.S. There are situations where I test with the U.S. and when U.S. works, I'll then test an international only version. Yeah. But you know, because the international is hard to get working, I want to make sure it works in the U.S. first before I go to international. Yeah. Another another traffic trick. Cheaper you know? doesn't mean better. <laughs> Cheaper so does not mean better. Uh, yeah. Often does not mean better. So that's, you know, and that's another thing that most people don't realize is that based on your price point can drastically vary your traffic approach because your traffic approach can filter for kind of higher quality based on what you're doing and, and more expensive people, but a higher value. Or if you're selling a $27 info offer, you don't need expensive, you know, high end people with high salaries. You know, if you're selling a mechanics offer, you know, you're, you're looking for mechanics. You don't want to filter for, you know, these very like kind of this expensive traffic that is known high quality because you don't need it. And you're just going to waste a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, but if you if you are selling a thousand two thousand dollar offer, you better know how to go after higher quality people, you know, because if you don't, again, you're going to be stuck with, you know, building a situation that doesn't work for you because you built it the wrong way. You know, same way people that, that have like free giveaways, yeah. um, 
they don't realize that the problem with the free giveaway, especially if it's advertised purely as a free giveaway, is that you get a lot of freebie seekers and you could build a list of freebie seekers that don't buy anything. Yeah. Right. Versus if you try to bring them in with something else and then once they get there, you have some kind of free giveaway. So you leverage the idea of this free thing and, and kind of what you can kind of build momentum from it or get virality out of it. But you first hook them in to more your main idea, your main topic. So that's the kind of people that first click, right? So they're not freebie. They're interested in your topic. And then you can hit them with the, the you can kind of leverage the, the benefit of that strategy without killing you on the traffic, right? The strategy isn't bad, but if you don't, filter first for the right kind of people that strategy can waste you a bunch i've seen it waste a bunch of money super super important point which is you're doing the homework on and i've had this um come up a lot where they go no no we'll just we'll do the giveaway and we'll do it for everyone and i'll say no no then you will attract and pull all these freebie seekers who will never buy or come in or do whatever so you're being hyper targeted on those freebies yeah go ahead no, sorry. I just and you literally end up with a big list that makes you no money, yep. and then you'll add to the whole fervor of Facebook lists suck. Yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's funny, like sometimes how you optimize. So this client once didn't believe me that even though we optimized for a purchase, and the lead cost was twice as expensive as when we optimized for a lead, it was still better. Yeah. Trust me, it's better. They didn't want to believe it, and at the end of the day, I'm I'm their consultant. As long, as long as I've said my piece, right, and I'm not going to be fired if it doesn't work by testing it the way you want me to, I'll follow any marching orders you give me. It's your money. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, your, I'm your servant. Um, so I optimized for a lead, and sure enough, leads doubled. Cost per sale went up, right, not down. And the list they built, they were so annoyed at how little it was buying compared to these smaller lists they had built for the prior month and a half when they were doing it the way I told them to do it. <laughs> right. So they, they thought they thought more was more. And they, they asked me then please never optimize for a lead again. And I said, no problem. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't always mean optimizing for a lead is, is worse, but in that situation, I just knew it was going to be. Um, usually it is. Yeah, even, though, again, even though you get twice as many leads. So you have to be real careful. Uh, now, in a situation where you're selling a $2,000 offer, so there's so few purchases, that's trickier. Sometimes you do have to optimize for lead because there's too few of, of the final conversion that Facebook can't really optimize. So, again, caveats. That's the reason, that's the reason I don't really teach this stuff because I like, like three-quarters of my course would be caveats. <laughs> like, this works, but in this, except for this, yeah, you know, not in this situation, not with these type of audiences or industries. But the, what 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 that does is speaks speaks volumes around how important experience plays in your ultimate success in this type of role. And for anyone you know who goes, I want to buy a Facebook ads course out of a box. This is why I've always resisted the the. Um, the invitation, the pressure to create a Facebook ads course and program is because when I taught pieces of how to do it in Ty Lopez's program, my real strength and what I'm passionate about teaching is how to find clients. Um, 
that was a side thing that I knew how to do because I had experience as the boutique running the ads myself and leaning on other people who could do the other pieces that I was weak in. But when you teach it, I immediately ran that risk of people, oh, you should do a whole course on just that. I'm like, no, no, <laughs> because what I can't transfer over to you is my brain and experience. And perspective. Can, and my perspective. Yeah. And that's what's so difficult about trying to, you know, learn it out of a textbook is and anything that is valuable out of a textbook you can you can learn for free like yeah yeah right what the options are right right like what the basic setup is right if your goal is to you know you just want to focus on the most you know congruent audiences you can think of you know your shoe client shoe sneaker footwear yep. you know you don't you're small you don't want to, you don't want to go crazy with this you just want to you know you realize it's not as good right then you can you know have bigger budgets, more congruent audiences, and and you just constantly think of new creatives and hope they work. You know, when they don't work, turn them off quicker. And they do work, leave them up longer. So let's talk about another thing that we had talked about before and we, that we both see pretty eye to eye on, which is, um, uh, well, it, it, this will lead into that. that. Dan Kennedy, who I love, uh, around a long been around a long time. Brilliant. Yeah. He, um, he writes, uh, he, he says there's nine marketing and advertising mistakes. And I, I printed this out. So I had them in front of him. Number one is marketing to the wrong people, which is where Dave comes in and what he's been talking about here. Dan's like, that's the number one mistake. It isn't creative. Somebody asked above what's more important, the creative or copy. And the answer is neither. <laughs> the answer is that's, that is important. Let me throw out a real quick concept here. Okay, in my mind, what's important is the people, and then I would say I'd go into this. Go ahead. In my mind, with time and budget, very rarely is there a better creative. What there is is creatives that can get you results in your target range with the right audiences, right, and creatives that won't get you in your target range with the right audiences. Now you might have to go to 10 of the right audiences and maybe only four of them will work in order for you to determine that this, this creative is viable. And if you do a creative that isn't going to work and you send it to 10 audiences, maybe you get zero, zero conversions or one, and that helps you identify that's not viable. Yeah. But the one that appears better, right? Let's say you have two creatives that are getting you results in your target range. And this one seems better. You spend enough money and time Next month, the other one's better. The month after, the one that was in third place, it's now better. It, it wasn't It wasn't there was a better. It was they each had a range of results. Randomly, each month, they hit a certain point in that range. So and that's what appears to be better at that particular moment in time. But you don't typically see. Now, on rare occasion, and, and there's exceptions to almost every rule. So anyone that, that comes down and says, oh, no, I found a creator that just, you know, you know, I crazy at work, but this one is, is hands and, you know, toes above the rest. Exceptions to everything. But at the high level, the more I've tested and spent money on, the more I've come to the conclusion. Now, again, it's not always easy to find creatives that can get your results in your target range. So I'm not saying that this is an easy concept. Yeah. What I'm saying is trying to fight for the best wording, right? I'm going to word it this way, or I'm going to move this one word here, and I'm going to you know, and I'm going to do that like four different versions of this one thing. 
and I'm going to spend a bunch of money to figure out which version is the best. It's just a waste of money. Like think whatever you think is the best, use that and test it against something that's holistically different, comes at it with a different approach, right? A different kind of personality type, you know, versus the kind of person that needs logic, you know, come at it from an emotional perspective. That's to me, when you're testing creatives, what you want to more focus on with your testing is different ideas, high level ideas, approaches, recognizing people have different, they, they want to learn or they're, they're influenced by different things. Some people are influenced by shorter, more concise information. Some people want longer detailed information, right? So you can go to the same audience with three different creatives and get better results than going to that same audience with one creative and spending three times as much, especially if those three creatives are very different, but still all good, right? Still have all the good image, still have yeah. good congruent copy. Great point. Because what you're doing is you're actually accessing three different sub segments of that audience and you're spending less on these more kind of targeted people. And what you're not doing is, is tripling up on just the one kind of person. You can exhaust that one kind of person quicker, right? That's, that's why I have campaigns that will last for weeks and, and sometimes months and not die is because I, I have little pieces and I'm literally just kind of, I'm, I'm going after this one kind of subset within this audience with that particular piece. And then I'll have another creative going to that same audience. What I'm not doing is I'm not burning out that audience of just, you know, if I have the, my best creative and that's the only one I use is one that like focuses on emotion because it's really good emotional creative. I'm going to burn out the people that are convinced by emotion, you know, somewhat quickly a lot of times versus if I go out to the logical people in that audience, you know, if you, whatever the different personality types are, if you do that, you could have spent that same total money and gotten better results because you slipped that money up. Again, that's kind of another way I squeeze results out of situations. I, I recognize that there's ways to kind of break up your spend and based on that end up in a more efficient situation than just trying to kind of, you know, bull in a China shop it, so to speak, you know, kind of just bull rush it. Um, and that's what a lot of people do. They have something that works and they just spend, increase the budget. You know, oh, this works. I'm going to spend a lot more money. And then they're surprised when the results tank. And like, oh, Facebook sucks. Anytime that something's working and I increase my budget, my results tank. And they can't understand why. And then they say Facebook sucks and you can't really spend money on Facebook. You know, and that's because they don't understand that if, of course, if you try to ask Facebook to spend 10 times as much money in the same group, you're forcing them to go to a less qualified person. Right. If you ask them to spend a dollar per hour on an audience, they can spend their sweet time finding the right people. You ask them to spend ten dollars an hour. Brilliant. And now they have to they have that you they have to go to less congruent people. You're forcing them by asking them to spend that much, you know, on that yeah. one group of people. So, that's, so good. That's why I'm I constantly try to kind of spread it out more. So I'm 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 kind of never stressing any one situation too much. And then if one or two things die no problem. I have a chunk more that are still working. You know what I mean? Because those one or two things that are died are small pieces. And if I have 20 pieces that are working now, I lose one or two. I look to replace those. But if you have three or four and you lose one, that's like 25% of your overall situation you can lose overnight. 
that's not fun. This is really valuable. And that's gold for anyone who was listening. And there's another piece. I know we're running out of time, but I want to talk a little bit about this. Another mistake Dan says people make is not using direct response advertising. Interesting. And, and um, you know, this plays along the lines of a, you and I were talking a little bit about this when we first met, which is, you know, do you spend all this money on awareness and then retarget the awareness and engagement later on? And and the answer was, yeah, if you've got the ad of if you got the ad budget of Coca-Cola, right? Otherwise, you know, direct response advertising needs to be your mantra because awareness advertising will empty your pockets so quickly. Yeah. So talk a little bit about that, because I know people get caught up in, well, businesses need to build their awareness on Facebook first. And when I get my Facebook teachers love talking about strategies like this because they have to they have to constantly come up with new strategies. They're teachers and they're trying to stay current with new stuff. Yeah. You know, that's one of the things you got to be careful of with, with information teachers like that is they're incentivized to come up with new stuff all the time, even if the new stuff's not better than the old stuff. Yeah. I've got someone, someone just asked me this the other day. They said, Joe, they said, um, let's talk about, you know, optimizing for video views and then retargeting the video views. And I said, you know, I'm actually testing that and, and it's not, you're not getting, I'm not getting quality leads from that. So it is great in theory. That's Um, when you start getting the same results from the resultant audience as you do with any of the other proven good audiences you had, like if you had proven audiences from a different strategy and an earlier approach, and you go to those cold traffic audiences that you know work and you go against these, these, you know, these warmed up audiences and you see the same results. The only difference is you spent 20% more. more. Yeah. Yeah. For no reason. When you could, have just went direct, you could have just went direct to opt in. And as long as that, as long as the audience was dialed in, copy was decent. Creative is decent. Doesn't need to be, you know, what does it, this is what doesn't need to be great is copying creative. What does need to be great is landing page the, yeah yeah so yes the landing page there's all those pieces but your audience has to be great um and and they dialed have, in they have, they have to work they have to work they have to be great is, very, is a very tough thing to define yeah they have to work and yeah. and the way you find things that work is you come up with ideas that might work yeah and you test and you get good at, at figuring out okay other things that work and keep working how long did it take for them to get their first sale in their first conversion, right? What's the longest it took for something that ended up working for you know a longer time period? What's the longest it took to get its first sale? Once you start think, once you start kind of working on a situation and getting a feel for what you're dealing with, you can say, well, if this doesn't get a sale in the first two days, the likelihood of, of it being a winner, yeah, drops considerably. Yeah, right. So so your test kind of period is two days and if you leave it up for longer you're now irresponsible chasing good money with bad money because yeah. you, you knew the you know the likelihood of it working past day two if it didn't take if it didn't see action the first two days drops now just now if if a third to a happier stuff gets results on that second day what you don't want to do is after the first day if things don't get results you know pause everything that didn't get results that first day right because you do know it might take the first or the second day for your winners to get their first sale. But when 90% of your winners all get their sale in, in a certain time period, you don't have to, 
This is not a statistics class. <laughs> right. You have data. Statistical significance. Yeah, you have plenty of data already. You need likelihood, right? Yeah. And that's what a lot of people don't understand, especially like, like the Facebook. And it's funny too, sometimes Facebook's testing goes the opposite, where it makes its assumptions way too early, right? So if you're testing multiple ad sets in a campaign, Facebook will throttle traffic based on audience size, right? So if you have an audience that's a third, like 2 million and you have a 10 million person audience can't, you know, ad set in that campaign, that 2 million person audience isn't going to get a fair amount of budget tested. Yeah. So it's, it's making these adjustments too quickly. So there's sometimes where it's, it's not taking long enough and sometimes it's, it's taking too long you know, and wasting money. That's, that's why if once you get a feel for reality, you don't have to rely on Facebook, you know, to kind of manage that for you, you can start doing it yourself. Um, so good. so, I, did, I, was gonna, so I did the split test where, and this is, this is like a great anecdote for, there's no such thing as necessarily better. There's just will and won't work. Yeah. I did a split test where I had, I think 12 different audiences and I put, two different creatives on each audience, right? Yeah. So I had two campaigns for each audience. One campaign had one creative, one campaign had another creative, same audience, 12 instances of that. And I shit you not, it was almost 50-50 as far as these six, one did better, and Facebook said, this one's better. And then these six, it might have been five and seven, but it was pretty close. Yeah, Facebook literally said this one's better, and it was the other one. I'm like, which one's better? And when you see that, you start realizing there there is no better. There's just they both work, and now they're, they're both different. Yeah, they're just both different. Can work. So a couple of questions we'll take, and then we'll wrap up. We went, we've gone a little long, but this is such an important discussion. Um, this is such an important discussion. So. Thoughts on LinkedIn ads versus Facebook. Have you ever played around with LinkedIn ads at all? I haven't. Um, and this is a topic, you know, when it comes to an agency, you know, what what do you want to do? Do you want to be a one traffic agency? Do you want to have expertise in multiple ones? I, I haven't seen anyone that is really good in multiple traffic sources. They yeah. say they are, again, red flag, if not yellow flag. That's right. Like someone that says, I've never met someone who's really good at Facebook ads and YouTube. It's just, it's a different, it's different mindset. Uh, the algorithm is actually fundamentally different on Facebook. Versus yeah. the algorithm. I learned that in Dublin during that agency conference that the actual algorithms, one of them is like a painting auction, right? I bid a hundred, you bid 200, I bid three, you say too much, I pay three. Yeah. Facebook is a, is a not virtual. It's a theoretical auction. You bid a hundred, I bid two, you bid three. I say too much. You pay 187 because Facebook already determined the cost of that painting was 187. They wanted to see who wanted it more. Wow. Great. And based great on point. that, it's a totally like in one situation, we could have a war and drive up our price. Yeah. Right. If I'm a big advertiser, I can screw you over. I can always just bid more than you and you're going to lose every time. On Facebook, they've made it a fairer playing field. They've determined the, the price of inventory. You, you can sort of adjust your cost. If your ads are better or worse, you might see a little better cost. But at the foundational level, the cost of those, that inventory, Facebook has determined ahead of time. 
And that means that no matter how big of an advertiser you are, you can't, I can, I can compete with you knowing that I could just bid, I can manually bid higher and I'll get traffic and I won't pay that much more. Right. But that's because I know enough that I know that no big advertiser can blow me out and cost me 10 times my cost. Like on Google fund So back to full circle, fundamentally different approaches, different algorithm, different auction. Um, so now if you're an agency that has a Google expert, a Facebook expert, expert, a LinkedIn expert, that's fine. But chances are they're different people. You know, they've each had experience in that one platform. They can, they can speak to having five or 10 or 15 different clients with different niches and different funnels. And, you know, that's what it takes. Like, like anyone can learn one situation and eventually figure it out. Right. And I, and I would say, you know, you can get results on all these platforms. Facebook still has been uh, regarded as one of the cheaper ones to get traffic on if you've got it figured out. But you that's, can filter better. Yeah. Because you, you, you can filter better. And, and LinkedIn's trying to play catch up and they're still way behind. So Tevin says, uh, why do you need 12 computer screens? Because we see your background. We don't see your foreground, which is 12. You said you have 12 computer monitors. I know go to Facebook. Uh, I've seen a picture and it's like it's it's like, you know, your mission control there. If you go to facebook.com slash dbass, first initial last name, and you look at the top image, you'll, you'll see my setup. Um, and it's funny. I could use 15, but I don't want to be gluttonous, even though <laughs> I might be gluttonous. Uh, I have a Skype screen. I have a Slack screen. I have a Gmail screen. I have an Outlook screen. I have an ad manager screen. I have a dashboard screen of the different like uh, shopping carts and places I can see financial results. Um I have a screen where I'm usually watching content in the background, be that a UFC fight pass or a movie or, you know, Joe Rogan's podcast, just kind of listening to it while I'm doing stuff. Um, I have a screen for my calendar. Um, I pretty much have something on each screen. And then I have, you know, one or two that I usually have as working screens that I can actually be doing stuff on, you know, so I'll move stuff from one of the, its primary locations to my work screen and then I'm done with it. It goes back into the ad manager screen. And I'll pull a different ad manager tab out and work on that one. Um, so yeah, once you start having, it's funny. I once lost a video card and I had to go back down to nine. And I did feel like an asshole for feeling this way. But I was like, man, like this sucks. Like I missed my three screens because they had their purposes. Now I had to double up on purposes on screens I had. So to answer your question, uh, over time, I kept finding different purposes for different screens. And as I grew my agency, you know, and, and started having more clients and making a little more money, I could afford to eventually get a liquid cooled four or $5,000 <laughs> triple video card, 12 monitor setup. Uh, because to me, you know, if it makes me more efficient and effective. That's, that's, you know, it pays for itself. To me, my system pays for itself from efficiency and kind of effectiveness. And I have OCD. So talk about like therapeutic. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Dave, um, this has been awesome. For people who are listening, you, you guys can uh, find them on Facebook. D-Bass, pretty easy to um, find. You can also go to um, uh, FB Ads Checklist, which stands for Facebook Ads Checklist for a um, kind of a high-level checklist that actually spells out some of the common mistakes people make in targeting. It's primarily around targeting. And it's a at least do this if you're targeting checklist. 
Um, you know, at, at the very least. But at the end of the day, um, you know, I would encourage people that if you're not a media buyer, if you're not a data scientist, if you're not a analytical type, partner with somebody who is. Find somebody who is. Who in and and you can use your right brain and, and leverage their left or vice versa. If you're more analytical and you find yourself loving this piece of Facebook, like oh, I love the the data and I love analyzing data and I love this left brain centric part of Facebook, then partner with someone who's creative and likes copy and coming up with images and all this. So, and that will help you. Um, Dave, this has been fantastic. I could actually go several hours talking about this because we we didn't even get to all the mistakes that people are making and all the things they can do as a follow-up, but you've given people a lot to think about and how serious they should be taking the audience and the interest targeting and all these different pieces and elements and and not just um and not take it lightly. To to take it seriously and and, and uh, you know, if you're an agency or digital agency owner, this this shows you that there's a lot that goes into it. Dave's got years and years of experience. He's he's managing, as you heard, you know, tens, hundreds of thousands of dollars in, in ad spend every single month for his clients. Um, lastly, Dave, before we part, real quick, how do you find clients? Like, and or what advice would you get for people who say, "I'm still trying to find clients because I'm an agency owner or I'm a boutique agency." Um, just as a last tip before we we spin out here because we've gone way over. Um, so my, my humorous response would be, uh, hopefully you also have a, a, uh, a generous fairy godmother somewhere in the universe that's looking out for you. Uh, because sometimes it feels that way, you know, where I've, I've been on the edge of, you know, kind of going, having issues and then, you know, relying on one client and then something kind of fell through, lost all the ad accounts, you know, and I thought I was making plenty of money, so I didn't really care. And next thing you know, I'm, you know, I lost 80% of my fee and now I, you know, down to one or two clients. I'm like, Oh Jesus, you know? Um, and then out of nowhere, some kind of opportunity shows up and saves my ass. So, so part of it is, you know, being open to, uh, kind of opportunities and capitalizing them, capitalizing on them when you see them. So that I'll throw that out there, right? That's, that's critical. If you, if you're not kind of open and aware, you know, you hear, you know, kind of colleagues talking and they mention Facebook, you know, like, hey, you know, I, you know, like gently kind of, in, you know, just being open and aware of situations. Um, two, once you start having clients, especially during the good times, things are working, they're making lots of money. Hey, do you have any other businesses that you're aware of, you know, I, you know, that you think could use, you know, similar support to what you're getting? I would love the, the referral, right? So trying to leverage kind of the successes you do have to, to piggyback and kind of find more. Um, Great. Yeah. And, th- and that's for me how it's worked, you know, and that's, that's caused some stress. I'm not saying it's always the best, you know, not having a, a business development person on your team, not having a website that markets your stuff. Um, but, but that's how it's, it's, you know, kind of worked out and it's taken some years to really build up that solid foundation of clients. But once you do, it's a really solid foundation because it's built purely you know, you didn't trick anyone. You didn't convince anyone. Like everyone was referred yeah. kind of that you have. And there was already this immediate kind of trust in the beginning because they knew somebody that had good results with you. Well, so um, I'll, add, I'll add in the last piece of this. I think it all ties together is that Dave has shown that he's really good at not Facebook advertising 
um, as a whole because he's not going to sit here and say I'm the best at copy and creative, but I'm really good at the Facebook advertising meat and potatoes part of it, which is the at most the traffic piece. at the traffic piece. Right. And because he's that good at the traffic um, and he's honed that skill and like you've, you've immersed, I tell people, immerse yourself in what you're good at and people then you know, it, it, be, it becomes easier for you to tell people exactly which what you're good at because you'll hold your stake in the ground and say, I'm great at traffic. You have a hard time finding someone better than me. And and two, you, you're, you've made it clear what you're not. So that sends a very clear message to somebody who can decide whether or not they, they, they need you, as well as makes it easier for people to refer you. So by me, you know, really honing in, I asked you when we first met, tell me about who your ideal client is. And, and I knew from talking to you when we first met what your superpowers were. Now it makes it easy for me to think about who might be able to use your services. You, you, so if you make it easy on people to refer you, you're more likely to get referrals. That's the, the end lesson. Dave, thanks for being on here. I can't wait to have you on again sometime. And I might have you yeah. talk to my, my private uh, uh, groups um, of people who have bought my courses specifically about Facebook ads. Sure. Uh, in the future. And then maybe some, if we ever get back to where we can go to events in person, um, I'll even fly in and have you talk to our group. Um, until then, uh, God bless. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for being on the show. It was a pleasure. Thank you for having me. I hope people learn something. Um, you know, if they have a way to contact you with questions, just shoot them to you and you can get them to me. And I'll make sure you get, uh, you get in, into Dave's hands. So send me any questions you have, or if you want Dave to help you or collaborate or partner with you, uh, reach out to me. Uh, if, if you don't know how to reach out to me, I'll give everyone away. You can text me. You can text me at 571-639-4584 and uh, just text me and I'll respond to you uh, directly and I'll make sure you get um, in, in, uh, put in contact with Dave as well. And you can also find him on Facebook. Uh, with that said, thanks for not being average, Dave. And I challenge everyone listening to not be average as well. Go get it. Happy holidays. Tune in next week for the Not Your Average Joe Show with international business mentor Joe Soto. 